Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Highland Bridge Builders podcast. This is Kyle and I'm very excited because today we have a professional speaker teaching class today. This is Eric Gentry and he is a uh, preaching minister here at Highland Church of Christ. And he will be getting into the last portion of Mere Christianity, which is called Beyond Personality. Eric. Okay, getting, the, getting it set up for the podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Eric, thanks for being here. Got a full house. I appreciate that. Got some toys here. Some other, um, ex- uh, some I guess examples, some props. So if you're listening in the digital world, it's going to be really disappointment. And um, but that's all right. We're just going to press on anyways. Here's what I want you to do: take 30 seconds, answer this question in your head, and then you're going to lean over and you're going to tell the person next to you what your answer is. Okay. All right. This this is the question. Okay. What is Christianity for? I'll ask it a different way. What's the purpose, or what's the goal? Okay, what's it for? It's kind of a deep question, so I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to think about it so you don't say something you'll regret to, to the person next to you, right? Okay, what's it for? What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Think about that for 30 seconds. What's it for? Y'all can sit down, yeah. You're, yeah, that's, that's fine. All right, lean over to the person next to you and say just something short. What's it for? Something really simple. Just as simple as you can get it. What's Christianity for? All right, 15 seconds. All right, did anybody's neighbor say something really good that you want to share? Something back here? Grant, what, what was said back there? You were just being obnoxious. That's not, not surprising. Uh, it, it, anybody else, their neighbor say something really good? What's Christianity for? Glorify God. Glorify God. Yeah, I like that. Anybody else? Yeah, Christy, what is it? I said to bring a sinful people into relationship with a perfect and loving God. Yeah, okay. So talking about moving into relationship with God, starting with sin. So this is what we're doing this series on C.S. Lewis. This is part five, I think, in that series in his book, Mere Christianity. And so he, he has these two really great statements in these chapters that I've been assigned that kind of summarize what he's saying this project is about. And so if, you, if you're having trouble seeing this, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll read it out loud for you. So one, in, in one of those, he says, the Son of God, and this is before gender-inclusive language. I tried to, like, change it, and then I felt it just wasn't working. So the Son of God became a man to enable men, humans, to become sons of God. And so this, this word's re- really important here, sons or children of God for Lewis. We're going to there's nuance to that word, and we'll talk about what that means. And then the second one is similar. He says, the whole purpose for which we exist is to be thus taken into the life of God, the life of God. So sons of God, life of God, that's what the project's about. And that word life, in this description, is really critical because for Lewis, there's life, and then there's life, right? Okay, so there's, there's the life that you and I are living, and then there's something else, 
which is not just a, a difference in degree, but a difference in kind. In fact, he calls these two kinds of lives two different things. And the way that he helps us to think about that is in talking about the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And that's where we're going to be today. We're thinking about the Trinity. So here's, here's, if you look at that first question, the Son of God became a man to enable men or humans to become sons or children of God. You might ask, are we not already children of God? Am I not already a son of God? So, um, Jesus, oh, so here's this toy, right? Okay, this is Peter Pan. These are, and these are Power Rangers here. And so I was going to have somebody make something out of Play-Doh. I just thought it was going to take too much time and maybe seem too elementary as opposed to Peter Pan. And so um, we're not going to do that. But you can imagine if I, you know, like gave you the pieces to put this thing together and there's little screws in the back and there was a battery in there. Apparently Peter Pan said something or did something at some point. It doesn't work now. It's been in the bath a couple times. But it, you can imagine if I gave you all the pieces, you could kind of assemble this thing, right? And at some point, some place, probably it was probably China or something. Yeah, this is from China. Somebody poured plastic into a mold. You know, a machine probably did it. Somebody designed and built that machine. And this thing was probably on an assembly line and plastic got poured into a mold. It got put together. Okay, so Peter Pan was made, right? He was, he was made by humans, okay? Whereas Jesus is begotten by the Father. Begotten, the only begotten son, okay? So I, I've just explained to you the process of making. Does somebody want to explain the process of begetting? We need a doctor in here to, to explain how that works, right? Okay, you don't, you don't need me to kind of spell that out. Begetting is siring a child, okay? So it's not making, right? There's, I mean, we don't have to have this conversation, right? Like two, two people get together. Yeah, you, you are probably interested in that, right? So, uh, okay, we, yeah. So, right, so there's a difference between begetting and making, right? And so the reason we've got props today is C.S. Lewis in this book, like David said last week, he's a master of metaphor. You know, the Chronicles of Narnia, basically a giant metaphor. And so through these chapters, if you read it, what he does is he use metaphor after metaphor to kind of make a point. And in this case, he's making a point about the relationship between Jesus the Son and God the Father. What he's saying is when you beget something, you beget something of your same kind. So humans beget little humans. But when you make something, you cannot make something of your same kind. Right, you following? So uh, a, a beaver makes little beavers. Birds make little eggs that hatch and turn into little birds. Um, but beavers, okay, th that's what they beget. I'm sorry, they beget little beavers. They beget little birds. But beavers make dams. Birds build nests. Are you following? Okay, so this is what C.S. Lewis is saying about how, how important that word is, begetting, to helping us understand kind of the project of Christianity. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Okay, because humans are created by God. Are you following? We're not begotten. Whereas Jesus is begotten by God. Are you following? So he is of a different kind than we are. We would say the life in him is different than the life in us. For in the same way that Peter Pan here is different from me. He does not have the kind of life in him that I have in me. Are you following? That there's a difference there. So C.S. Lewis says that, and I'll just read this shortly, he says, What God begets is God, 
just as what man begets is man, and what God creates is not God, just as what man creates is not man. And this is why men are not sons of God in the sense that Christ is. So and he says, in the same way, the shape, man has the shape or likeness, we're made in the image of God, so we, we might look like God to a degree, but we're not. We're, there's, there's a different kind of life in us. So uh, if, if Peter Pan doesn't work for you there, you might think about Pinocchio, right? So he's this, this toy who's, you know, finally comes to life, right? Isn't that how the story ends, right? After lying and nose growing, doesn't he finally come to life and become a real boy? Like something transformative has to happen for him to move from the life of a toy into the life of a human. And so we think there's something there about the life that Jesus has and the, and the life we're trying to reach. That, that there is a different kind of life there. It's the difference between something that is begotten and something that's just made. Are you following? Any questions on that? Make sense? All right. So the, uh, he says this great line. He says then, he, he talks about a sculptor sculpting something. That's why I was going to work with Plato. But he says that, that we are the statues in this sculptor's shop. And he says, and there's this rumor going around in the shop that some of us are someday going to be turned into real life. And so that's a really great line from Lewis. Peter Pan. Sorry, buddy. All right. So the difference is between biological life which humans have, and spiritual life. And, and Lewis calls those um, bios or bios and zoe. So bios being human life and zoe being spiritual. And uh, so if you were going to think about the difference between bios and zoe, what would be some of those differences? I'll just, I'll just jump out there because we're not going to spend a lot of time on here. But, you, get, you know, bios life is corruptible, sinful. We get sick, cancer, disease. We're always dying, right? We're always fighting with each other. Talk about this weekend, right? There's all these, all these problems in bios life. Whereas Zoe life is this eternal life that Jesus talks about, the authors of the New Testament, Old Testament talk about, alluding to this life with God that's free from sin. There'll be no more crying or sickness or pain, right? Remember that? So we have these allusions to this other kind of life, and we recognize it's not just an improvement on the human life. It must be a different thing, C.S. Lewis says. The same kind of difference between being begotten and being, or yeah, begotten and being made. There we go. All right, so to help you understand that, any questions so far? All right. <clears throat> he, th he thinks that the Trinity, so the idea of God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, and those three being distinct and the same thing, helps us to understand this difference between these two kinds of life. <clears throat> so um, think about this question for a second, and then you're going to talk to your neighbor. How does the Trinity work? Again, another deep question, right? Okay, how are three persons one and one person three? Just think about that for 30 seconds. And you're going to tell your neighbor. And I wonder how much talking there's actually going to be. All right, okay. <clears throat> 30 seconds. 15. How does the Trinity work? How are three persons one and one person three? Okay, lean over and tell your neighbor really quick. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. That'd be great. I forgot to get one. All right. Ten seconds. Finish up your thought. All right. So uh, that's, that's a really hard thing to describe, right? That's a really hard thing to describe how three persons can be one person and one person can be three persons. God the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's really difficult for us to conceive of. And, and to help us understand why that's difficult to conceive of, Lewis uses the example of dimensions. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there's a marriage treat, retreat coming up September 15th and 16th. Put that on your calendar. It's going to be great. We'll come back to that. So he uses the idea of dimensions. So, um, in fact, I may do this on this piece of paper here. <clears throat> so one dimension is, uh, you could say, left and right. So you got this line. Following, simple one dimension. So a two-dimensional thing, you know, you could have up and down or forwards and backwards. And so this is, let's say that's a square. I know it looks more like a rectangle, but that's two dimensions, right? So you know, you can confirm it's flat there. And what Lewis says is that that, that talking about the Trinity is being pulled into this third dimension, right? You like my box I made there? I realized after this I could have just found a cardboard box and not spent about an hour of, of work time producing this. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks right, to make these. Okay, so, but, but this is really helpful to see, I think. You want to get this, Kyle, for the podcast? There we go. I think it's really helpful to see because what he says is that you know, we, we are two-dimensional. In, in other words, we're, we're bios life. And so we're talking about this other kind of life, and, and what we think is that it must be a part of this kind of other dimension that's difficult for us to see and difficult for us to understand. And he says the reason we know that dimension exists is because we talk about the Trinity. And in the Trinity, you know, here, here you have this square that, you know, we can imagine, you know, it's one square. And, and, uh, but in this cube, you all of a sudden you have six squares that are one cube. All right? You following? And so in, in that dimension, the Trinity makes sense. Right? All of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I, I can understand like theoretically how in another dimension than the one I'm in where Andrew and I are not the same person and Katie and I are not the same person and Lindsay and I, like theologically, we are one person, right? So that's that third dimension that you're heading into. And that's why marriage is sacred. God, we might call it a sacrament. So something is happening to us in some some language we can't even hardly describe that she and I are becoming one. And it's similar to the way that God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit are one in ways that are really hard for us to exactly pin down, but we do believe something's going on. Okay, are you following? Is that making sense? Questions on that? Okay, so Lewis suggests that what happens when we pray is that we're being pulled from the second dimension into the third dimension. And um, he, he talks about, you know, that you've got this little guy and he's in his bedroom at night kneeling down beside the bed. And, it, and it, to the human mind, it seems very common. And he may even be speaking audibly, but it doesn't seem like he's speaking to anyone. But Lewis says, and this is a little bit difficult to fully wrap your mind around, but God suddenly in that moment is pulling him up, you know, pulling him from this, this two-dimensional thing into this other life where God is the object he's trying to reach, he's the thing motivating the prayer, and he's, the, he's the, the bridge upon which he is traveling to God. All right, so, so God is all three of those things happening in that prayer. So in that moment, you're being pulled up into this other kind of life. 
And that's why even though we don't always know what's happening when we pray, we, we, keep, we keep doing it because we believe there is more than this human life. And there's more than just my, my conversation with Mitchell, right? There's something kind of higher going on, and we're going to come back to that. So our two-dimensionality, so I need, I need a, somebody to do, um, I need a volunteer. Can I get a volunteer? Somebody volunteer? Yeah? Peter, come on up here, man. Great. Okay. Can we give it up for Peter? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, okay. So Peter, hold this Sharpie here. Uh, so Peter, on this, on this um, poster board here, and this is just a, for the podcast readers, this, the listeners, just an average poster board, just green. Um, we're gonna, I want you to draw just a line across here. And this is going to be a, your timeline. So over here is birth. This is present day. Can you, can you draw that? Just a, just a line. <clears throat> He's a doctor, everyone. He's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you know, here's, here's birth. Peter, as you think about your life, what are, what are like two or three really significant events you'd put on this timeline? Do we put birth? Uh, like just well, let's just assume point. you were born. Okay. Yeah, so other, <laughs> other events. Do you want me to write it on? Yeah, well, just like an abbreviation. Okay. But you could tell us what it stands for. Uh, baptism. Yeah, baptism. Very good. Yeah. When was that? Uh, <clears throat> in 2001. Okay. Great. Let's see. Okay. I could say marriage. Yeah. Put that over here. When was that? Um, <laughs> June 5th, I set you up. Yeah. June yes. 5th, 2010. Oh, man. We were the next weekend, June 12th. How about that? Yeah, how about it? We should celebrate together. We should. <laughs> yes, joint anniversary <laughs> celebration. Uh, let's do first child born. First child, yep. There you go. Pretty close to death. Yeah. <laughs> this is just present day. This well, is a death, yeah. We could make it death. Okay, what's it? Can you think about an event in your life that was like, you remember, this was a time I was really praying. It was something significant, right? Maybe it was a crisis or maybe something like joyous, but something you're really praying about? Um, <clears throat> different from what these? Yeah. Different yeah. from these? Yeah. Matching and residency. Yeah, residency okay, matching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so put that on there. Okay. <clears throat> I think that was right here. All right, Peter. Let's give it up again for Peter. Can we? Thanks, Peter. <clears throat> All right, so... What Lewis says is when, one of the ways we know that we're kind of limited to this second dimension <clears throat> is when we start talking about time. <clears throat> because time is um, uh, it's very difficult for us to understand God's relationship to time. Right? Are you following? Uh, because, because we, for instance, Lewis says that he gets questions sometimes from people he got. He's, Lewis is no longer with us. <clears throat> questions from people who would say, I don't understand how at any one moment God could actually hear the tens of thousands of millions of prayers being offered right in that moment. How could he actually hear them and respond to them? And what Lewis says is that God's relationship to time is, is different than ours. It's, it's three-dimensional where ours is two-dimensional. So we're all kind of captive to this line. But he says that, that God is the paper, the poster board on which the line is drawn. Right? So God is above time. Time is within God. Okay, is, that, is that making sense? So let me, let me give you another example of that. He says, imagine writing a novel, which is something C.S. Lewis did. <clears throat> and you say, in the novel, you write this sentence. Mary set down her 
paper, and immediately there was a knock at the door. Mary set down her paper, and immediately there was a knock at the door. Okay. If I was bound to that timeline, all right, I, I would have to, to see what Mary does next, which is go and answer the door. She would have a conversation with somebody. But he says, but I'm the author of the story. And so at the moment she sets down her paper and there's a knock at the door, I could step away, go get a cup of coffee. I could sit for three hours and think about the person that Mary is, right? And what's she gonna do when she answers this door, right? Okay, I've got all the time in the world to think about what comes next right, for Mary. Is that making sense? So he says that's similar to the way that God relates to us when it comes to time, that he, he, he says that, oh, this is upside down. Was I holding it upside down the whole time? Sorry about that. That God's relationship to time is, is like that. God has all of eternity, he says, to listen to the prayers of Peter as he's trying to place in residency. He's got all eternity to listen to that because time is already bound up entirely in him. Okay, in this third dimension. He says that God has all eternity. You know, he's writing shortly after World War II. He says, God has all eternity to listen to the prayer of a pilot as his plane crashes into the sea. His fiery plane. He's got all eternity to pause and consider that because it's bound up in him. And if you think about all of time, this is kind of complex, already wrapped up in God, what that means is that <clears throat> to us, Jesus came at a moment in history 2,000 years ago. But for God, what that means is that God has always been Jesus, and Jesus has always been God, and always will be, because time is totally bound up in him. Are you following that? Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so to, um, and that's a really important point. How are we doing on time? It's slipping away from us. So imagine, for a second, two books. Okay. One book is sitting on top of the other book. Just imagine that for a second, okay? We'll call the book on bottom book B and the book on top book A. Are you imagining that? All right, so to help those of you who are struggling with that, here's two books. And I, I just got the smallest books in my library, just uh, make them easy to carry, you know? I don't, don't want you to be impressed or anything. So um, let's see, you got these two books. So one, book B, all right, is under book A. So what we would say is that book B is causing the position of book A, correct? Because book A is resting on book B. Are you following? All right, so in, in our limited thinking as it relates to time, we would think that, well, then there has to be a moment at which book B was set down and book A set on top of it. That, that is the effect has to follow the cause. So in this, in this scenario, book B is the cause of book A, right, of its position, right? <clears throat> But if you're outside of time, that doesn't necessarily apply. The effect does not have to follow the cause. And he says, a, a, good, a good way you know that's true is that when I told you to imagine two books on top of each other, there was actually a process that went on in your mind. Your imagination kicked in, okay? And then you had a picture of two books sitting on top of each other. But it was instantaneous, right? The cause was your imagination working the effect was the picture of two books, but there was no distinction between the two. It was instantaneous. Okay. So that's an idea that we do have these kind of glimpses of this third dimensional, this higher kind of life. All right. And what he says is that Jesus is the Son of God, like these two books are sitting on top of each other. That God the Father is, is the cause of Jesus the Son, okay, 
but he has always been the cause of Jesus the Son, and Jesus has always been the effect. He's always been there. Uh, so in John 1, 1, Jesus is called the what? Anybody remember? The Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word is something you say. Logos is what it is. And so what Lewis says is that Jesus is the self-expression of God, and God has always been saying it. He's always been saying that word, Jesus. He's, he's always been there. Which brings us to the Holy Spirit. So if I, if, um, and this is, we, we may just briefly uh, get to touch on uh, Virginia here, and I'm not going to get to treat it as, as much as I would like. Let me do say if, if the issue of race is something that you've thought about and you'd like more answers on, I do a class yearly called Race on the Cross, and I encourage you to be part of that. I think it'd be really good. Uh, I think it speaks into the situation that's going on there as all these other situations going on. But when, really briefly, when a crowd gets together, a bunch of people, okay, we've got all these people here, and you see this happen in Virginia this weekend. Okay, this crowd gets together, and then, and then something takes over them, right? And all of a sudden, these kind of like normally sane people, generally sane, um, start doing things they would not do on their own. You following? Like, like fighting in the streets and looting, things like that, right? And we've seen this happen many, 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 many times, okay? So what's that called? It's, it's called something. Mob mentality, right? Mob mentality. And the, the thing is, like, it's a real thing. Like, something exists there. Something's happening to which those people are being drawn into. And, they're, and, and it's animating what they're doing. And so you could call this not the mob mentality, but the mob spirit. Okay? Mob spirit. Um, like, there's an actual thing, like, hovering above them filling them, causing them to act. And you could name that thing. You, could, you, would, you would describe it. You would say, well, it's, um, it's violent. It's aggressive. You, know, you start putting all these kind of adjectives to it. It's hostile, irrational, right? You following? So, so it's, it's almost like you're describing a person, a crazy person. You following? Okay, so if you were going to describe the spirit that exist in this room right now or at church on a Sunday morning? Kind of like how people feel and stuff. What would be the kind of the adjectives you would use to describe that? Joyful. Yeah, joyful. Compassionate. What else? I didn't finish that word. It's okay. What else? Compassionate. Loving. Hopeful, which sounds like you're describing a person, right? So in our two-dimensional two world, we look at what happens in uh, Virginia, and we say, those are just people being crazy. But we even have language for the reality that, you know, maybe there's something more going on there. Maybe there's something more going on. Just like we think, maybe there's something more going on about coming to church on Sunday morning. You know, you, you getting your kids out, it's so hard. They're just so difficult. Mike, I just wanted to, 
just leave my kids at home today and they're just really difficult and you know what I mean it's just hard you get here but but there's something more about being here than just like seeing Dudley and just kind of you know hey man there's something more to it than that and there, there is this kind of spirit that's about the place okay and it, if you're if you're limited to two dimensions then you think well it's just kind of I just kind of feel warm and fuzzy when I get here but if you believe well there is more to life than life there is this kind of life Think maybe something's happening there. <clears throat> and so what, what Lewis says about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus has always been the self-expression of God. God has always been saying Jesus. He's been there from the beginning. Following. He's begotten of God, always has been. And then if you were to, to describe the love between God the Father and God the Son, you might use all these words, loyal, faithful, steadfast, that it sounds like you're describing a person, and the person you are describing is a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. In that third dimension, it's hard for us to see, the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son. And so it has always been there because they have always been loving each other from the beginning. Okay, and this is why in the Old Testament, they, they really got something better than we did. When armies would go to war, what, what they believed was that the, the gods of those armies were fighting in the heavens. In Daniel 9 and 10, there's this really great story um, about uh, this angel coming to respond to prayers of the people of Israel, and he gets intercepted by the angel of Persia, and they have a fight in the heavens, right, before they can, he can arrive on the scene. Well, the Holy Spirit's operating in that same third dimension. Okay, in this life that's difficult for us to imagine and see, but he's real, you know, as real as, you know, this cube, this well-designed, constructed cube. Okay, I want to I finish in four minutes. So, um, okay, let me, let, me, let me make this point. So he says the Holy Spirit is the person that's formed by the love between the Father and Son, which I just said. So, to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit or to be drawn into the Spirit's dimension must be the greatest possible reality or the greatest possible life. But, he says, if you want to get warm, that kind of warm, okay, that higher level of life warm, then you must stand near the fire. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire, which is a great song. Anybody name that song? Garth Brooks, standing outside the fire. Life is not tried, it's just merely survived if you're standing outside the fire, right? The great poet and prophet, Garth Brooks. <laughs> All right, so let me end with this. We're gonna come back to our, our what he calls toy soldiers. We're gonna use Peter Pan and the Power Rangers here to demonstrate this. All right, <clears throat> so <clears throat> the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. So. When we hear sons of God now, we know we're talking about begotten life versus earthly life, this kind of higher life form. Also, the whole purpose for which we exist is thus to be taken into the life of God, that spiritual third dimension of life. Okay. So you can imagine, I mean, you probably grew up playing with toys like this, and you, you would pretend that they were you know, real. Noble's starting to pretend it's really fun. He was having a sleepover with uh, Goofy the other day, and it was just really neat to watch. Okay, so you probably wished growing up that you, that you could, you know, like make Peter Pan real, give him real life, <clears throat> or Pinocchio, or whatever the case. So just imagine for a second that I were to make Peter Pan really alive right now, right before you. 
Okay, and then he's like, hey, man, why'd you do that? I'm like, dude, I just made you alive. And he's like, yeah, but um, you ruined my good plastic. You know, like, uh, this plastic's really durable and stuff, and you, I can't get cut, and you've, you've given me human flesh, and, you know, like, you can scrape your knee and stuff like that, and that's terrible. And besides, you know, I could fly before. And I'm like, no, you couldn't. You were a toy. He's like, no, I'm Peter Pan. You know, he really thinks he's the real thing. Right? Like Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, remember? He really thinks he's the real Buzz Lightyear. He finds out he's not. We've been watching that a lot lately, too. Okay, but I was like, hey, man, I just made your life so much better. And he's like, no, I'd just rather be a toy. Life was simpler then. And Lewis says that's kind of what happens with us, that the bios life, the human life, is really resistant to being pulled into this third dimension, even though we think it would be a lot better. And the reason is sin, right? Sin, that we think that the life we're living must be the greatest possible life. So he says, what would you do in response if this toy was like, hey, turn me back into a toy. I don't appreciate that. Well, you know, I'd, I'd like break a leg off and throw him in the trash, right? Because I'd be really annoyed with him. But he says what God does, and this is the really thing, beautiful thing, is that God becomes Christ, but has always been Christ in this weird time, third dimension, which is difficult to understand. But God becomes human, which would be the same as me becoming like a crab or a slug, he says. That kind of drastic downgrade in life. Okay, and the reason he does that is he becomes created so that he can become begotten. Again, right? You found? Okay, so a created life form now transitions into the begotten life form. God the Son, okay, in human form, in Jesus' form, becomes fully God. And I, that word becomes is difficult as we think about the time thing, but I'm just not going to be able to work that out because I'm two-dimensional. But, <clears throat> but ultimately, God, he says, um, he becomes created to become begotten. He takes on bios, then killing the natural way of life in every way. So he resists that. You know, Here's Peter Pan. He's trying to resist becoming spiritual. So he's got this temptation in him to resist that, whereas Jesus resists that temptation in every way, and so he's pulled towards this higher life. Like He, he kills the human life in every form. You know, he, he, he resists temptation, he resists honor and pride and all those things, and comes pulled into this higher spiritual life so that we can be. Because he says this is where the metaphor breaks down, because these toys are separate from one another, but all of humanity is linked. Just like you're linked to your mom and your grandma, we're all this kind of giant tree. And so what he's done for one of the branches of that tree is working its way through the root system towards the whole thing. It's, he says it's like a pitcher of water. If I were to drop food coloring into the pitcher of water, it would slowly be changed. Okay? So we are all being changed into this greater life, which should be the thing we desire most, not the thing we're resistant to. It should be our heart's greatest desire to be transformed like Jesus is from something just made into something begotten and eternal and glorified forever. You follow me? Okay, so the business of becoming a son of God, he says, of being turned from a created thing into a begotten thing, of passing over from the temporary biological life into timeless spiritual life has been done for us in Jesus. Humanity is already saved in principle. Uh, but he says you need to be drawing close to Jesus. You know, you need to be a part of the water that's nearby getting colored uh, to catch that good infection. The chapter's called the good infection. 
Um, so whereas you know, like a bad infection is decreasing your quality of life, what he's saying is this good infection is transforming your quality of life. But you gotta be near Jesus. You gotta stand in the fire, not outside. Thank you, Garth. All right, so um, that's what Lewis says in these chapters, and I'll end with that and turn it back over to Kyle. So I want to thank Eric Gentry for doing literally what was one of the best classes I've ever been a witness to, uh, at least in the top three or so. Uh, that was excellent. Uh, what a difficult topic to try and um, explain uh, with the Holy Spirit. And uh, obviously C.S. Lewis wrote those words, but Eric did a, a truly masterful job uh, putting that into uh, words this morning. Um, Thank you for listening. Again, hope you're having a great week. Hope this is a, a, a real blessing to you. And we have next week, if you're going to listen back in, Scott Frizzell will be finishing things up with Mere Christianity. And then the week after that, we will move on into a new series. And so we will see you again next week.